Welcome back to Joygasm, where we chat about video games, movies, and pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360, and with me, as always, is my shenanigan sibling, Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich, as we hop into se- uh, yeah, episode 78 hey. on this June 30th, 2018. So, in this particular episode, we are going to forego any kind of topic of the day, and instead, we're going to focus on catch-up. Yes, and mustard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to catch up on uh, some of the gaming news and movie news that have transpired over the past uh, few weeks. Gaming news, we are going to focus on several interesting Overwatch mm. headlines, which we haven't talked about in a spell, have we? A very long time. Movie news is filled to the brim with more female characters on the horizon for Marvel Studios, Deadpool 2, sales numbers, Invader Zim, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles making a return. Avengers 4 Part 2 title getting an announcement date. Actors from Game of Thrones tie the knot. Spider-Man Homecoming 2 title has also been revealed. Movie Pass changes, Wonder Woman's sequel information, and so much more. I just didn't want to have to list every single. Yeah, you shouldn't have there. to, Russ. You, you, know. you, you list them when the news section. Do, comes. do you, you feel like I mean? I've wet the appetite enough for the movie section? Um, not enough, Russ. But uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, as critical as you are, I just really <sighs> don't think I could ever satisfy you, Steve. Uh, nah, your my, appetite is just insatiable. My, my appetite's really wet. It's something. so what have you been up to well russ like i said in the last podcast oh i watched uh phantom thread again no i i got it in the last episode i said i was going to be watching it and i so i'm telling you this time i watched it no steve you know my daughter is asleep so please keep your decibels to uh a regular i gotta get some sound deadening in this room russ I'll yell and scream all I want, you know? Yeah. All right, continue. Don't waste your time with it, Russ. With what? Phantom Thread. Back oh. to the topic at hand. I see. Yeah, don't waste your time with your daughter, Russ. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I thought you'd be like, don't waste your time <laughs> padding this room. I'm like, where are we? What, what are we talking about? Oh, boy. So, yeah, no, I, um, I don't, yeah. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. I think the Academy is... Got to get their uh, their act together. The Academy us. has needed to get their act together for quite some time. The acting was decent, and the cinematography, I guess, was okay. But beyond that, it's it's a very like British soap opera y kind of movie. Mm-hmm. It was boring. Russ. Boring. I don't really know who I'd recommend it to. I mean, I I, I guess maybe it would be a. I mean, I I don't even think it's a chick flick. You know what I'm saying? I just. Is it an artsy fartsy film? I, maybe not. Nah, not really. I mean, what was the last movie we watched? It was uh, The Shape of Water. That was more artsy fartsy than this movie. Okay. But so we've watched two movies that were critically acclaimed, getting awards, nominated for this, nominated for that, high praise, and we watch them, and they're like, "You're like, what, what, what's what's going on here? What, what are you doing? What are you doing? Okay, what are you doing? What is happening here?" I remember that there was a an actor. Uh, what was the main actor's name in that movie? I don't know. You don't know. You sold the movie. I don't know. And you don't know. I don't know. Okay, go. I'm just gonna have to MDib it. Why don't you just MDib it, Russ? 
<clears throat> the name actually escapes me. Do that. I'll tell you that I downloaded a demo. Daniel Day Lewis. So you were not impressed with him. I said the acting was decent, but I mean, beyond that, it was whatever. Daniel Day Lewis is actually one of my favorite actors. Well, that's great, Russ. Maybe you'd enjoy it. I don't know. I. Uh, I may give it a shot just because that was the last film I think he will ever act in. I think wow. he's retiring after that. But mm. you didn't you didn't care for it. No, Russ. It was basically about a dude who has been a bachelor all his well, life. Well, don't you're not going to spoil it, are you? You watch the preview. Well, the preview doesn't really tell me all that much. You know what? You know what? Save your thoughts. You go I'll watch, watch it. it. You... Let me borrow it before you send it back. Too late. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get it on your own, Russ. All right. All wait, right. wait till Christmasy Black Friday and uh, go out and get it when it's like five bucks. Okay. And put it with your collection. You'll probably never watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, I watched. I yeah, watched. I downloaded a demo. I have been thinking about. Uh, the Shining Force recently. I started playing Shining Force on the Sega Genesis way back in the day. Should I, I played Shining Force 1, Shining Force 2, Shining Force 3, Shining in the Darkness. I remember playing those as well. Indeed. Shining- I actually got Shining Force CD. I did. No, I did. No, Steve. Yeah. I did. I no, got that I, one. Yeah, I, well, yes. maybe you did, but I got the one for the... I got the last one for Sega Saturn. Mm. Now, the new one is nothing like those. And I... Some folks will appreciate it. Some folks like me won't appreciate it. Because really? I like the like the turn-based style combat where it's like, okay, you know, it's enemy's turn, and now it's your turn, uh-huh. and now you're doing this, you know, and there's these little animated battle sequences. I love all that stuff. Now it's more like an action RPG. Do you still have like a team of characters? Or you have like one four person? people. So it's a squad-based combat, okay? Yeah, so you, there's not like a... a, a like 20, 30 characters you can choose your own little army from or 40 or 50 or however many. I think that Shining Force 2 had a ton of different characters mm-hmm. and th- this one doesn't. But that being said, and the reviews are, I think they're on, on uh, the Xbox store. They're like 4.3. So it's getting some pretty high reviews. But oh, yeah. it just wasn't for me, you know? Wasn't for you. Nah. Let's see how it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? Did you do anything interesting besides playing Ori and the Blind Will of the Wisps? <laughs> <laughs> so what is Steve is referring to is that I beat Ori and the Blind Forest, which I have been meaning to do for quite some time. I actually took a break from playing that game just because the difficulty just got ratcheted up. And if any of you out there who have played the game will know exactly what I'm talking about, where at first you're just kind of gallivanting through the different places. You're in awe of the, the graphic splendor of the game and just the emotional music being played. And there are certain parts that all of a sudden the difficulty just gets higher and they introduce certain types of abilities that that Ori is able to do, which is very similar to Metroid, I got to say. So there are certain parts where you'll be running through and you're thinking, how on earth do I get that one thing? And then you realize, oh, I can return to that same area at any point. And if I have different unlocked abilities, then I can see if I can try and and, uh, achieve getting said item. So... After taking a, a Ori hiatus, I was actually intrigued to go back in after seeing the Will of the Wisps trailer with you during E3. So I was thinking, man, I've got to finish this game before the sequel comes out. 
So jumped back in and actually the part that had me stumped for a long time, I was actually able to just get right through. It's amazing what happens when you take a break. Sometimes you just got to step away, put the disc down, or in this case, the digital download and come back to it later. And and all of a sudden it doesn't seem like it's a roadblock anymore. Russ, it's always good to smell the roses. You know, as you're walking by, take a break. Look, listen to the birds sing. Maybe get stung by a bee. No, I don't want to be stung by a bee. <laughs> but what a great game, though. You, oh, man. Did you ever play the game, Russ? I think whenever this comes up, you always ask me. I always <laughs> say no. Steve, it's time we turn that no into a yes. It's time we turn that frown upside down. You need to give it a shot, at least on my system, to see what you think. But it's you've seen me play it a little bit. And I remember you commenting on how uh, awesome you thought the graphics were. Well, Russ, games are made of more than great graphics. They are. Indeed. Thank you for enlightening me on that. <laughs> <laughs> I also rewatched The Big Short, which... The Big Tall, huh? Yes. I have been having a fun time with that movie. That movie just has so many great little just, just segments you could one-off entirely, like when... Um, they're in the, they have the meeting and they're talking about the tranches and you have the, the little tower of blocks and they're just making this, this case about just what happens with, what is it? The B, double B, triple B, A, double A, triple A tranches that represent like kind of the, the, uh, value of the houses and how like, um, uh, what's the word? What is that word, Steve? I, um, it's when you, oh solvency ah you know like like how like good the home loan is and how yes. like you know, the, are the homeowners paying it off yes. or are they in default or whatever yes. it is you know based on their subprime mortgages that yeah. sort of thing. it was just great and of course you know the late Anthony Bourdain had a cameo in that film as well where he's uh, cooking the fish and he's giving that analogy that they have several great analogies in that movie and it's just great to be able to just. You know, if, if you want to watch the whole movie through, you can, or if you want to spend mm-hmm. five or 10 minutes and watch a certain part. So, but I, I ended up watching the whole thing again, and there's just a lot in there that's just terrific. Definitely recommend any of you lovely listeners out there to check that movie out. It's really, really good. I've also been having fun watching the game trailers from E3, just here and there, just a little sprinkling of things. I think it was because we were watching so many trailers during that time. I got, I got overwhelmed. And so they, they all kind of blend together. So it's nice to kind of watch two here, watch one there, that sort of thing, and just kind of get refreshed again as to what we can all look forward to. And I can't remember if I had mentioned this on a previous episode of Joygasm, but I also beat Rayman Legends. Did I tell you about that? Mm, sounds familiar. Okay. I put it in my notes here just to be sure, but that was yet another side scroller I was able to put to bed as well. And on a more technology uh, topic. As you will, uh, are aware, Steve, I have begun to install the hue smart bulbs into my house. Okay. And it's been a lot of fun to be able to do so. I've, I've, I have, um, most of the downstairs taken care of. There are still certain key areas, uh, that require the, the, uh, transfer of bulbs, but, I got to say, I, I thought it'd be fun to just mention this to uh, the listeners, too, is that um, the bulbs, for one thing, it, it, what's great about them is they're LED. And oh, there are, great, are multiple options, too. Well, as a homeowner, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I have found it to be very annoying when bulbs burn out. 
And of course, when my house was... When my house was built, they didn't install LED lights. They have like the standard bulbs. And, and of course, you know, little by little, there are certain sections of the house that need to be replaced. So I thought, <laughs> how, <laughs> how am I going to do this? Because I don't want to replace the bulb, the burned out bulb with the same bulb and then have it be burned out again in a couple of years. Like I want to have more longevity to the bulb. And also too, one of the things that I've always wanted to have is the dimmable option with lights. And the only room that I have that is my media room, which we are sitting in right now. And so I thought to myself, well, I need to do some research on this. And I've been seeing this, this bulb here and there. If I go to Best Buy or if I go um, to Home Depot or whatever, and there's this bulb by Philips called Hue. And so I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Little pricey. It would have been nice if um, maybe the, the price was perhaps... 50% cheaper than what they are. Ah, it, but what the heck? You know, just, I just buy them all. Well, see, in my situation, I can't just buy like all the bulbs I need and replace all the bulbs in my house. I have to do it like paycheck to paycheck. We're like, oh, buy four bulbs this paycheck and that sort of thing. So the cool thing is, is that I've been able to turn my downstairs into more of just a a colorful wonderland, which Steve over here has uh, seen a bit of. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's great to be able to have control using your cell phone to be able to uh, just control how dim or how bright you want the lights to be, which sections of lights you want to have turned on or off without having to get up out of your recliner or your couch and have to flip switch. So fantastic, Russ. It really is. And the fact that you can also change the colors of the bulbs is also just a really neat thing as well, where like instead of having to go and, and agonize over like which bulbs do you want to get and what color and that sort of thing. What is it, Steve? You look like you're smiling like Ray Charles <laughs> over there. all of our homeowner listeners, here's our light bulb section. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is a technology-oriented You can change thing. the colors <laughs> from your phone. So you get this thing, it's called an app. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Okay, so what's really cool about it is that originally the bulbs were just white, right? Like you could have like a, a warmer bulb versus a cooler bulb. And now they've made it so that it combines them into two things where you can either have the warm or the uh, cooler fade option within the app, or you can change it to a, whatever kind of color you want. That's a huge deal in terms of a bulb that lasts about 20 to 23 years, and you get to have creative control over how you want the bulbs to be. So anyway, I won't go into too much detail. Other like than you already did. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're just jealous because you don't have them. <laughs> but I thought it would be worth mentioning just because that is something that I'm going to have a lot of fun with in terms of completing the house in that regard. And also like when we're playing games and stuff, be able to like have like a cool thematic lighting and color, a little mood lighting in there, you know, play a little Sea of Thieves, get a little oh, aqua man. color going, you know. Not to mention the fact that you can animate the lights as well, have them kind of pulse around stuff. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about it. Wow. For now. For now. Uh, <laughs> for now, to be continued. Yeah. <laughs> Until I think of something else. <laughs> No, but there are other um, things that I'll, I'll talk about later on uh, in a future episode, perhaps. But there are certain apps that uh, really enrich the experience. So finally, as you saw when you came over to Mikasa, my family decided to introduce my daughter to the original Wizard of Oz movie, which 
Um, <laughs> I've never seen my daughter so animated and asking questions and also so afraid. She is so afraid of that wicked witch of the West. Every time that the witch was on the TV, she would actually like turn her entire body away from the TV and just stare the opposite direction until the witch part was gone. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that she won't wake up screaming and hollering uh, due to nightmares. We'll have to see how that goes. Good job, Ross. <clears throat> it's, you know, it's what I do, Steve. It's, uh, well, you know, technically that was uh, my wife's idea. <laughs> Watch Daddy take out the witch with a baseball bat. Okay, I'm your savior, honey. <laughs> she was, you know, what was really cute was um, she was very quick to like just dispel any kind of concerns that my daughter had. You know, just being like, no, it's not real. No, that she's not, she'll be fine. Da, da, da. And so, yeah, everybody's just playing Halloween, honey. You like Halloween? No. Oh. She actually does. She, that Halloween's probably one of her favorite holiday. Well, it's not really a holiday, but just you know, time of the year. Event. How about oh, okay, that? that works too. All right. Well, like I said, we are going to get a little more caught up with our Overwatch news. So let's segue into that one there. Winston reporting. Justice reigns from above. Junkrat primed and ready. Lucio coming at you. Form up on the payload. Move it out. Nerf this. Come out and face me. I am ready to revive you. Alrighty. Man, we haven't heard that in a while, have we? We haven't. I am, for one, very pleased to have it going through our headphones again. Anyway, let's go and kick things off. Blizzard patents Overwatch's play of the game feature. Blizzard has successfully patented the play of the game feature from Overwatch. They received the patent earlier this month, which covers the systems that define, record, and share the hero shooter's end of game clips. The developer applied for the patent back in December of 2016, if you can believe it. The patent document includes details about how these moments are captured, which starts by placing timestamps around notable events in the match. After that, the game server scores the events according to a plurality, how about that for a word, of criteria corresponding to a plurality of play of the game categories, then pushes the clip with the top aggregate score out to all players in the match. I thought you'd be kind of curious about that just because we've often wondered, okay, how does the game score or, or decide who gets play of the game? There it is in writing. Muy interessante. The patent also covers the high score, lifesaver, sharpshooter, and shutdown categories that plays of the game can be sorted into, as well as the social media sharing systems put in place after the game's initial launch. The Overwatch team has talked more than once about reworking how play of the games are decided and what would amount to, quote, play of, get of the game 2.0, end quote. But the terms of the patent would likely cover any changes the developer makes in the future. So, yeah, definitely interesting about that one. Switching gears a little bit here to Overwatch League. Now, I know that we have kind of fallen off the bandwagon a bit on this. I mean, it's just... 
Life is busy, and to be honest, there is just a lot to take in. We would rather play the game Overwatch as opposed to just constantly watch others. But it, having said that, it is still fun to kind of keep little tabs on what's going sure on. Sure thing. So I'm not sure if you know, Steve, but stage one, two, three, and four have been completed. I'm aware. And they are on to the playoffs. And it looks like the division leaders are New York Excelsior, which is no surprise. But the second one, actually, which is a little surprising to me, is Los Angeles Valiant. Hmm. They have crept up the standings. And just looking at what their, their current standing is, New York Excelsior has 34 wins and just hmm. six losses. Coast to coast. And Los Angeles Valiant has 27 wins and 13 losses. So it looks like they've already got this stuff already set up and underway. I'm curious to see. Do you, do you think that New York Excelsior might just uh, button this whole thing up and, and win? You know, they have uh, they haven't got a chance to do that, Russ. They just might pull it out, you know? It looks like... Where, where where's your team? I don't even. Oh, Houston Outlaws is down to number seven. Ah, that's a good number. That's a, that, that's actually your favorite number. That's my favorite it? number right there. <laughs> it was. Just, <laughs> I mean, when you're in a race, you don't want to be number seven. It's just. But, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and of course, my the teams that I was kind of interested in uh, initially are uh, San Francisco Shock and Dallas Fuel. They are down to number nine and number ten, respectively. So they're just kind of they've they've been there and they're stuck in a rut. So, and but what I thought was interesting was that London Spitfire has actually fallen quite a bit. They're on number five now. Hmm. Whereas if you, if you recall, they were at one point number one, and they were kind of number one, number two, number one, number three, somewhere. You know, it's kind of a, constantly in the top three, but. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see what goes on as a result of that. And uh, yeah, very interesting indeed. Do you have any thoughts on that, Steve? Wasn't, uh, I was trying to remember who the who the team was that stayed in the top three for quite like, like for majority of the time. Was it South Korea? Um, Like they were just one and two the whole time. And then it's when the, as soon as they got to number three, then it, it, they never got back up to. Well, it was Seoul Dynasty that was. Uh, it definitely was not the Shanghai Dragons. They, no. They've been at the bottom of the pile yeah, no, there for some time. But I, I think Seoul Dynasty may have been up there for a while. Maybe it was them. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> very interesting. Actually, wait, let, me, let me look at this again. Yeah. yeah. So yeah Seoul Dynasty is number eight. Whoa, they're down there, are they? Mm -hmm. Okay. I guess I'll just go down this list real quick. So first place, New York Excelsior. Second Bam. place, Los Angeles Valiant. <gasps> Third place, Boston Uprising. So, fourth place is Los Angeles Gladiators. That's cool. That's kind of interesting. It's like East Coast, West Coast, East Coast, West Coast. Go very far East Coast with London Spitfire. Number five, number six uh, is Philadelphia Fusion. So seventh, place, uh, seventh place is here or Houston Outlaws. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Already went with number eight with Soul Dynasty, number nine, San Francisco Shock, 10, Dallas Fuel. And rounding everything out is number 11, Florida Mayhem, and 12th place is Shanghai Dragons. So I don't even recall Florida Mayhem, to be honest. Florida Mayhem actually has a fun logo. Do you, do you remember what it looks like? No, Ross, I forgot they were, uh, they were a team, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember their logo. It was like the... 
the red letter M and then like, but it was in a circle and then like they had a palm tree kind of in the, on the, the top right side. It almost looked like a, like a wick. It looked like it's a bomb. Mm. It's, it's pretty fun. You're just saying that because you're looking at it right now on the computer screen. Actually a coworker at work uh-huh. really likes their logo. That is his favorite logo. And so every time the subject of Overwatch League gets brought up, he makes a comment about it and he brings it up on his computer. So actually, it's kind of funny that you say that because I, I, I actually have seen quite a bit of it. Hey, guys, gather around one more time. I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> Just making sure everyone knows the logo. Oh, okay, so the final story that we have regarding Overwatch news is the fact that Overwatch hero number 28 has been revealed. Do you... Know anything about this, Steve? I've been seeing something on YouTube about a hamster-looking thing. That's right. The name is Wrecking Ball. Just like uh, the song? Uh, there were. I'm sure that there will be plenty of that jargon going around. <laughs> Did he come in like a wrecking ball, Ross? He, he does, very much so. But okay. the hamster's name is Hammond, which I think is cool. Hammond <laughs> the hamster. <laughs> All right, so Hammond is a hamster <laughs> that rides in a futuristic armored ball. His abilities include quad cannons, which are automatic assault weapons, of course. He has a roll, which transforms um, into a ball and increases maximum movement speed. He has a grappling claw, which, uh, you know, you can launch a grappling claw to rapidly swing around the arena. I have seen this. That looks really fun. Like, you could literally, like, if you are rolling around, you shoot out. It's kind of like what um, Black Widow has, or Widowmaker, excuse me. Yeah, Black, Black, Black something. Widow, Widow <laughs> Some, something. Widow something. Yeah. But the same kind of <laughs> gameplay mechanic where he can shoot out this cable, and then all of a sudden he literally becomes a wrecking ball. And if you have enough inertia, then I think you can really damage opponents if they collide with you in the the space. But what's cool about it is that it's not limited to just, oh, here's like an archway and I can just swing like that. I was watching players where like they would intentionally almost like roll off the side of the map where they would die, shoot that thing out and then allow them to like swing around the outside of the map and come up really high and then shoot. It's almost like Spider-Man in a way, if you think of it that way. But I think that that's going to really change up some of the, the strategies of how you go about just playing offense and defense or knocking people off the map that yeah, very much. <laughs> yeah. It looks really, really cool. There you go. Also they, he has um, adaptive shield, which it creates a temporary personal shield. The amount increases with more enemies nearby, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's kind of odd. Yeah. I'm, I'd have to, to play him to really understand how that works, but he has um, Pile Driver, which is kind of similar to Doomfist in the sense that he can slam into the ground below to damage and launch enemies upwards. So it's like, you know, he's in the ball and he goes, just boom, hits everybody. And his ultimate is interesting. It's a minefield. And so it's kind of, it's almost like a kind of like a cousin of Junkrat in the sense that you're still a rolling ball. And so you're rolling around but you're dropping all these mines. And what's interesting is that like, if you, let's say for instance, you jump off like a higher ledge or something and you release it, then all these mines just start kind of cascading everywhere. I think that that can offer some pretty interesting opportunities in terms of whether or not you're trying to have area denial. Like, like if you're trying to, uh, you know, 
defend like the, the, the payload or whatever it is, or if you're doing King of the Hill style, I don't know. I think that that could be a pretty potentially good defensive ultimate. I can't really think of something that that would be in more of the offense nature. I mean, can you think of what you could do with that? Unless everybody is all crammed around the payload or you have one air, you know how when you, when you play sometimes, uh, everyone just starts fighting in one big mosh pit, Yeah, you know? And then it met me at that, at that point. Now, of course we do have a reveal trailer here, Steve. Oh. Journal entry 1963-4, Harold Winston. Status update on Specimen 8. By now, we're all used to our super intelligent gorillas on the colony. But the hamster, <laughs> we've named him Hammond, continues to be one of our biggest surprises. Even though he's grown from the genetic modification, we have more trouble keeping track of him than any of the other animals. Somehow, he managed to get out of his cage again. It took us days to find him. I can't help but wonder what it is he's looking for when he gets out there. He's shown impressive problem-solving skills and adaptability to new situations. And he's overcome all the challenges that have been placed in front of him. I, for one, can't wait to see what trouble the little guy gets up to next. So definitely pretty cool. I, one of the things I also really dig about this particular character is it introduces another animal character to the roster. If you think about it, like only Winston is the... The, the lone animal, so to speak, in the entire <laughs> roster. And I feel like Overwatch is this type of world that you can add kind of more of those fantastical creature characters to, and it would still be fine. You can even have kind of more humanoid-esque characters that perhaps are kind of part creature, part human, that sort of thing. That'd be pretty fun. But Hammond the Hamster is just so cool. And have you seen any of his animations from the PTR yet? I haven't seen nothing, actually. Really? Yeah. So when you get a chance, had I known that, I would have uh, queued some stuff up for you. But the dude, he's just like this adorable little guy. Like he comes up and his ears are all wobbly and stuff. And in, in the first person perspective, you can see these little hamster hands as he's like controlling the, 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 the levers and gears and stuff. And these huge cannons come out. I believe he's in the tank class. Which is interesting because he's actually a pretty quick tank, if you think about it. I mean, when he goes into that rolling, he can't shoot when he's in the rolling position, but he, you can really cover some ground rather quickly. And when he um, goes into more attack mode, it's cool because he has these little crab legs that come out from the ball. The whole character design is extremely just well done. I, I love how creative they got with this, where they actually thought about how these legs and the cannons all fit with inside the sphere. So you'll only have certain parts of the sphere like open up and you see these cannons come out like this or, um, you know, the legs will come out of different compartments altogether. And then he's kind of kind of moving around. I mean, it's, it's a really neat approach to just, just character direction overall. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And of course it goes without saying once he gets released onto the, 
all the, the platforms, you know that everybody is going to be selecting him as fast as possible. So he will be probably unplayable for the first like month. <laughs> but, I mean, I still haven't even had a chance to really get into Brigitte. Have you played much with her? Not at all. I mean, I, I went on and did some training with her, but I, don't, I, I couldn't, I don't know. Maybe I just need to do a little bit more, but I'm not used to all the close up combat. So, and she's well. I, and actually, that's what's interesting too is that you you like Reinhardt quite a bit, which is more close up encounters. You know, it's more of that close combat. Yeah, but yeah, at the same time, Reinhardt has the wider shield, and he can get from one place to the other rather quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and three swings with his hammer and the person's pretty much done or a lot of people are done. It's a pretty wide swing. Her, she's, it's a pretty much one-on-one. Um, if you can single somebody out, then yeah, you're, that person's pretty much toast because they she can stun them. Yeah. But I just haven't been able to. We're going to need to jump back in. I feel like, like we've given uh, quite a bit of a pause yeah. to playing Overwatch. And I think it's about time to get back in there. And plus, there are a couple of, of new levels that I've only played maybe one time. So it's, uh, I don't know. I, th- I think it's it's time, Steve. I think it's time to jump back in there. I know for everyone, I've missed it. What, what were you going to say? Steve? The hamster is the sign. It for is. Us to jump back in. If there was ever a sign, yes, I would say you are correct. Which I believe, because he's in the PTR, he should be dropping in what, two weeks? Mm, maybe a little bit longer than that. But did you ever bring Capture the Flag back? Because they did. But temporary or like for good? Well, because be, before they were like, oh, yeah, here it is. And we're like, oh, awesome. And then like the next day was like gone. Yeah, I, I do believe that they are still on this rotation with the different game types. I really don't understand why they're doing that. In fact, I would hope that Jeff Kaplan and company would um, revisit that and just maybe update the dashboard, like the main menu screen. So that way you can just pick and choose what you want to play, which game type you want to play. Cause I am really bewildered over that. I, I don't really understand why they're, they're doing it the way that they're doing it because you clearly have people who are fans of quick play versus fans of capture the flag versus fans of free for all or, or death match. You know, I don't know, like every other first person shooter I've ever played, they've always made those game types always 24 seven available, but yeah, <clears throat> just is what it is. Well, we have an absolute metric ton of movie news articles to get through here. So I hope you're ready, Steve. Kevin Feige says more female superheroes will come to the MCU. Screen Rant asked Kevin Feige about the gender-based balancing within the MCU, and he said the following, quote, But as the plan goes forward, I think frankly will be, you know, eventually I think we're going to reach a time where it's not just, listen, it would be amazing to see all of our female characters the way we have seen. Most never all male, but primarily male. I think we're getting to the point soon where we have so many great female characters that those are just our heroes as opposed to when they are all female, all male. It's just the Marvel heroes, more than half of which will be women, end quote. So (laughs) you can see his train of thought kind of going through that, but it definitely sounds like you're going to have more female superheroes coming to the forefront, which is just damn. 
candy, in my opinion. <laughs> Bring them on. Deadpool 2 becomes third highest grossing R-rated movie. Deadline reports the sequel has made an estimated $304.1 million domestically and $400.9 million internationally for a combined total of $705 million. It's now surpassed Stephen King's It, which grossed roughly $700 million at the global box office. According to Box Office Mojo, Deadpool 2 now only trails behind the first Deadpool's $783 million box office total and The Matrix Reloaded's $742 million global gross. Nickelodeon will conquer Comic-Con with Invader Zim and Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> IGN reports Nickelodeon will host panels for two of its upcoming revivals at the con. On Thursday, July 19th, get a first look at the latest iteration of the TMNT franchise, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, which is going to be 1.45 p.m. to 2.45 p.m. in room 6A with cast members Omar Miller, Ben Schwartz, Josh Brenner, Brandon McCall-Smith, Kat Graham, and Eric Bauza. Co-executive producers Andy Soriano and Ant Ward and legendary voice director Rob Polson. On Friday, July 20th, prepare your bladder for an imminent release and check out the panel for the much-anticipated Invader Zim, which is going to be 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. in room 6A. It will reunite the voice cast of the cult original series along with the series creator. I'm very, 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 very happy about that. I wonder if they're planning on relaunching it. Because if you think about it, Invader Zim was coming out before a lot of these really kind of cracked out <laughs> cartoons made their entry, you know? Yeah. And so, but Invader Zim was very, very creative and funny. And then it only lasted like a, three seasons or it something. It didn't last very long, yeah. yeah. And, and I was heartbroken when they stopped it because I was like, no, that's like one of my favorite cartoons ever. Right. So to give you some more information regarding the Comic-Con experience with Nickelodeon, they are staging a number of interactive activations at its 1,800-square-foot booth on the SDCC convention floor, including an elaborate New York cityscape, a replica of the turtle's hidden lair, which will feature a GIF opportunity, the Double Dare. Remember Double Dare? The yeah. Double Dare hamster wheel from the iconic game show's obstacle course, a photo op with the Loud House characters, and a 23-foot-tall Rettar from the Rugrats. Plus, merchandise opportunities include customizing t-shirts and totes, exclusive collectibles, and more. A few select fans will also get the chance to participate in an off-site virtual reality experience featuring the Turtles and Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Live, which, according to Nickelodeon, immerses users in the Turtles' iconic New York City world and allows them to have a conversation with Mikey or Donnie, who will be voiced live on the scene by the show's actors. How about that? Very cool. Sounds Russell. like fun. Avengers 4 title will be revealed by the end of this year. Collider interviewed Marvel Studio head Kevin Feige, who confirmed the name for the fourth Avengers movie will be announced by the end of this year. The mysterious title is expected to be revealed sometime after Captain Marvel's teaser trailer debuts, which we recently learned won't be timed with Ant-Man and the Wasp, unfortunately. Don't! I wish that was going to happen. Game of Thrones stars Kit Harrington and Rose Leslie just got married. This is a, an article that we had reported on a while back in Joy Guys when they got engaged. They, let's see, have been married at the Curtain of Rain Church 
in Aberdeenshire, Scotland this past Saturday. Interesting. Leslie and Harrington became, or excuse me, Leslie and Harrington began dating in 2012 on the set of Game of Thrones while their characters had also formed a relationship in the show's second season. The couple announced that they were engaged to be married. Good luck to them. Lots of congrats and uh, popping of the bubbly. You know, they, they had a lot of on-screen chemistry, Russ. They did. I remember going, I remember telling my wife, I was like, man, like, this is like really natural. Like, like I could see them <laughs> dating or hanging out like outside of the TV show. And well, there you go. <laughs> watch, you just watch, babe. They're going to get married. <sighs> Russ, don't be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming 2, title revealed by Tom Holland. <laughs> Good old Tom. Tom Holland. Uh, Adam Bankhurst reports in an Instagram post from Ace Seattle Comic Con, Tom apologized to his fans that there will be no real re- revelations about Spider-Man 2, but mentioned he did just get the new script and it's going to be great. However, when he mentioned the script, he held up an iPad with an image that reveals the Spider-Man Far From Home title. Besides uh, no, no, now knowing the title of the upcoming Spider-Man film, it was reported that Jake Gyllenhaal may be portraying the villain Mysterio. Michael Keaton's Vulture may be returning as well. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige also confirmed that Spider-Man Far From Home will take place around the globe and will be the official start of Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Spider-Man Far From Home will be released just two months after the fourth Avengers film and we'll see Spider-Man returning to a quote-unquote normal life after the catastrophic events and conclusion or excuse me, after the catastrophic events and conclusion of Avengers 4. So clearly he uh, comes back from the dust. <laughs> Spoiler! Yeah. See, I knew that. Anyway. <laughs> Movie Pass to introduce price surging for select films. Okay, I have a bit of a bone to pick with this. Starting in July, Movie Pass will start charging subscribers surge pricing for specific popular movie titles, or what CEO Mitch Lowe calls, quote, high demand, unquote, pricing. Business Insider reports, this news comes one day after AMC announced the launch of their movie ticket subscription service. The charge will affect those who have a monthly movie pass subscription opposed to an annual membership, and those members will have to pay $2 or more for certain titles and showtimes that are for a more popular demand, uh-huh. such like, you know, such as opening weekends, of right. course. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. He, there's a quote here. It says, at certain times for certain films on opening weekend, there could be an additional charge for films, low told Business Insider. MoviePass also announced its plan for two new feature additions to its members by the end of August, including a bring a friend option that gives a subscriber the opportunity to purchase a ticket around retail price through the app so that users can choose seats next to one another for assigned theater seating. That's not bad. I like that. I thought something like this might happen because within the first couple of weeks when a new film comes out, the theater hardly makes any money. And so if they give people a pass and say, oh, you just pay a subscription and you know, you're good to go, then Hollywood's going to say, well, what about your fully charged movie ticket prices? That's where we make our money. And theaters are going, eh, we found a way out of it. And so the theaters are going to go, oh, we'll just charge you more then. So well, in movie theaters, normally they make the, the bulk of their money through the the refreshments, it's right? Like the whole yeah. like candy drinks, like the upcharge yeah, on those fifty are bucks insane. for a coke, right? Yeah, <laughs> fifty bucks for a coke. 
The other new feature is the option for members to see a movie in IMAX or real 3D at a premium price. Currently, MoviePass subscribers are only able to see 2D movies. Lowe said the average additional price would be between $2 and $6. My thing is, I don't like this constant shifting and changing of rules and regulations. The thing that drew me to become a MoviePass subscriber was the fact that it was easy to walk up to a theater, just check in, swipe the card and not think about it. But they keep adding all these other steps and like disclaimers and whatnot. Like there was another change where now once you get your ticket, you have to take a picture of your movie ticket and send it to MoviePass using the MoviePass app. If you don't do that, then your whole subscription gets canceled. I mean, I'm like, okay, so that's another step I got to think about. Again, not a huge deal, but once again, we're, we're adding stuff to it. And of course, everyone wants to be able to use their movie pass for IMAX screens or 3D screenings. And they're like, oh, well, there's going to be like a, an upcharge to that. I think that they just need to come up with a better price point because right now it's $10 a month. And I think that especially because AMC and Cinemark are releasing their own kind of subscriber feature program thing. I think that in order for them to stay relevant, just charge everybody like $15 a month. Do something where it's still competitive with the other people, but at the same time, it's like, okay, there aren't any more like hidden fees or possible surcharges or premium price charges. Flat 15 bucks a month, go see what you want to see and bring back the ability for us to see as many movies as we want. Like, don't do this like, oh, you only you already saw that movie. You can't see it twice. <laughs> so that's just, I don't know. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful because I do believe in MoviePass. I think that they have been able to disrupt the, the, the way that people do business at the movie theaters and everything else. And of course, they're losing like $5 million a month. Oh, Based just their, five. Oh, okay, yeah. There's no way they can they can maintain that. So I'm just like, just okay, just stick with kind of like the Netflix model, where like you come up with a price that's the flat price, and just let them watch whatever they want to watch as many times as they want to watch it. That's all you gotta do. Moving on to Wonder Woman 1984, it will reportedly get a surprise appearance at Comic Con. Here's another Comic Con story. As you know, Steve, Comic Con is right around the corner. Comic Con is in July. I, I don't know the exact dates, but I think it's like kind of toward the first half of the month. Deadline reports that Gal Gadot may make an appearance at SDCC for Wonder Woman 1984, the sequel to the mega successful first film. I'm kicking myself because I would very, very much like to get an autograph and a selfie. <laughs> hey, what's up, gal? <laughs> nice to see you. We did here often. Did a podcast about your movie. <laughs> we liked it a lot. You should listen. <laughs> Finally, Disney reportedly wins U.S. antitrust approval of Fox acquisition. Man. Bloomberg reports Disney's latest major hurdle in acquiring 21st Century Fox's entertainment assets was a series of federal antitrust laws that will be reportedly circumvented by Disney agreeing to sell assets to resolve competitive harms arising from the merger. In accordance with the agreement, the U.S. Justice Department is expected to approve the deal in federal court. Following this, Comcast is expected to raise their bid once again in an attempt to acquire the assets. Last week, 21st Century Fox accepted Disney's bid of $71.3 billion with a capital B. This was in reaction to Comcast's $65 billion 
that they offered the week prior. Though this antitrust approval was a major barrier in Disney acquiring the rights, Comcast could very well stand in their way once again following this legal victory. So it's, it's a bidding war. Man, I didn't think Comcast had that kind of cash. Comcast is pretty big, yeah, all I, things considered. Yeah, I knew they were big, but not that big. But I guess I was wrong. <laughs> it is interesting to look at that, though, just how... You can tell that Fox does have a lot of valuable assets, whether it's in the sports division or it's in the movie division. And I, for one, hope that Disney is able to at least acquire the the Marvel characters because I feel like that all needs to be under one roof. I just I want that to just if, uh, if nothing else, get the X Men and make them good again. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and then it, it just it really just bursts the door open because actually we don't even know which other Marvel characters Fox has the rights to. They haven't even made a movie of yet. That's just true, bro. Because that was, I remember after the, I think it was the first Spider-Man movie that came out with Tobey Maguire, all the movie studios started snatching up all the different characters from the different comic book companies and all that fun stuff. Well, Steve, did you have any uh, thoughts about, I know that was a lot of uh, movie articles, but I feel better now that we're able to, to catch up Correctly. Well, wait a minute. What about what about Disney and uh, their separation from what's her face with Star Wars? So I didn't actually go into that article because it's not a for sure thing. Oh, the article itself was more of a rumor thing. Huh? What Steve is kind of uh, insinuating, alluding, uh, beating around the bush <laughs> is there was an article that came out this past week where um, there's, and again, I <laughs> don't take this as, as like actual news. I think that this is kind of more rumblings, more rumor that's kind the, of that, stuff. That's fine, Ross. Steve, Steve likes to fine. gossip. I'm, I'm a gossip queen. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently what happened was, oh, if we're, if we're going to, you know what? Cue the music. We might as well. Let's just, let's just get into it, Steve. Our impromptu topic of the day. They're not ringing, then you're not doing something right. This is actually quite fun, Steve. I had no plans to do a topic of the day for this episode, but um, you have changed that. (laughs) So, okay. So the story is based around how they're, again, take this at just face value because I I have a feeling this is very rumor. We got it, Ross. Okay, just say something. I don't want to become this rumor mill over here. (laughs) Anyway... The, the word on the street is, is that Bob Iger had um, called up this meeting where apparently like all the top execs from like Marvel and Pixar and <laughs> Lucasfilm and all these different, you know, all the different divisions that make up the, the Disney properties got together. You guys from Marvel, you're awesome. You guys over the Star Wars division, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> he said, apparently he had a meeting, if it's to be believed, and Essentially, he was voicing his concern about the performance of what Star Wars is doing. So, obviously, The Force Awakens did very well. However, The Last Jedi and Solo, A Star Wars Story, 
have not done as well. They've still made, I mean, if, if you look at it for what it is, I mean, the both movies made a respectable amount of money. It, they just were not making the same amount or surpassing the amounts that previous Star Wars films have generated. I think Solo was tanking. The last time I read something about Solo, they had made $400 million. Hmm. So, I mean, I, I'm... I would look at that as like, that's still respectable. It's just Star Wars is a tentpole experience. It's not like an average film that you go to and, oh, that was fun. Now let's go eat some dinner or something. Like, I think that that is the revelation that perhaps that they are beginning to realize is you cannot treat Star Wars as any other type of film that comes out. You have to be methodical in the way you approach it. You have to have the correct amount of hype. You have to also space those films out a certain amount of time. But really at the crux of the entire issue is the storytelling. You have to have just this this engrossing story and it has to be a Star Wars story. You cannot mess with the formula. The formula is very high maintenance. It's very particular in that regard. And... Going back to the story, I guess there was some like like they've been reading and listening to a lot of the fans out there who have voiced concerns over how Kathleen Kennedy has been kind of using the Star Wars platform as a means to kind of push kind of the the social justice side of things, kind of a social justice warrior. And while no one is against that per se, I think that when it comes to Star Wars, it's the wrong platform to do that on. So a lot of these creative decisions that are coming down from her are not the best for the franchise. They're, they're, it, it just it yanks the, the fans out from what they're, what they're looking for for a Star Wars experience. And... Again, I mean, I think you and I are in that same boat. We we know a lot of people who feel the same way too with just a lot of the different decisions that have been made with Star Wars. And if they are having those types of meetings, it's going to be interesting to see like what happens where does Bob Iger um, dismiss Kathleen Kennedy and, and bring someone else to take her place or are they able to write the ship in such a way where then everybody is simpatico and they're able to move forward. What kind of thoughts do you have? Well, I'm almost afraid yeah. to ask <laughs> what kind of thoughts do you have, Steve? Um, well, I personally, I think they, they need to replace her. Um, I think that everybody, okay. So you have this large fan base of star Wars who have, Okay, so the first three films were kind of a toss-up. They're a little bit silly, but, you know, people still love them. Four, five, and six, or one, two, and three? One, two, and three. The prequels. The prequels. So you have an entire base that likes the prequels, and especially episode four, five, and six. So then you have seven, eight, nine come out, and you almost have a, a division with that entire fan base where half says, oh, these are great. I like them. Awesome. And then you have half to go, these things are all terrible. You guys are, you know, the, so that's pretty heavy when you have a complete divide where one side gives you an A and one side gives you an F, uh-huh. literally. Um, I mean, there's, there's, you've been telling me I've been a, a, a negative Nancy or a, or a pessimistic Patty or a, a Debbie Downer, a, a Debbie Downer. But I'm, 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 Commenting, Sourpuss Steve. Hey, ah. there you go. 
<laughs> but I'm mentioning voices that are way more negative about it than I am. Mm-hmm. They're, they're definitely out there. It ain't just me, Russ. Oh, I know. And if I'm going to spit it, I'm going to spit the truth, Russ. <laughs> so with that and, re- and with that divisiveness going on, and it's not just, uh, you know, Star Wars is not for me anymore. It's like, don't ruin this for me. Don't ruin it for my family sort of thing. Yeah. And, and I think that there is a definite formula to how Star Wars is done. I think that it could, uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure that we'll ever be able to see the, the, the throwback to the glory of episodes four five and six. I think that was such an anomaly when it comes to storytelling. I do believe that there are certain films that are worthy of mention. You know, Rogue One, I thought was actually a really good Star Wars movie, considering the fact there were no Jedis in there. It was just a standalone story. I thought it was it was um, well done for the most part. And even Star Wars The Force Awakens, um, that was a good movie. It was a fun movie. It was something that, that again, I think it was better, definitely better than, than the prequels, and it set a lot of things up. I just think that it completely got derailed by The Last Jedi. I think that that was just a unfortunate train wreck. Um, that had moments of brilliance in it, but just the way that they decided to to tell that story. And again, for those of you who haven't listened to our review of Star Wars, I go into great detail about how the, the two biggest issues with that film has to do with concept versus execution and instant gratification. So definitely look that up uh, if you're interested in, in uh, hearing more about that. But yeah, I, I think that someone like Kathleen Kennedy, obviously we don't know her. We don't, we don't, we're not like intimately involved with her career. I, I do know that she has worked with George Lucas and Steven Spielberg on several films when she was younger growing up. And so she was in that world. But I think in terms of where she is at in her position, I think that you, you have to be a creative in order to be successful in the position that she's at. And I think in her, the one, what I know, which I, again, is very limited, but I think that she has very good business sense, but there's a, a huge chasm between good business sense and being a creative. And I think that there may be like, perhaps if there are talks going on, maybe they could have something where they divide that role where there is someone who is a creative and then there is someone who is more on the business side of things and they're able to, to push forward. Cause if you, if you actually think about George Lucas back when he was working on episodes four or five and six, he only directed episode four. There were directors for episodes five and six, and he took on more of an executive producer role because he was getting his industrial light and magic off the ground. He was getting his Skywalker sound off the ground. So he took more of a behind the scenes approach to everything, even though he was still owned everything and that, and that sort of thing. It was interesting because, um, he was getting much more involved with the, with just running a business side of things. And then these directors that, that were hired on by and large, I mean, they handled more of the acting, more of the storytelling, that sort of thing. And of course they also had the script writers and the editors and that sort of thing. And they all played a very important role as well. So yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Did I forget to mention anything from that story? No, not at all. Um, I think cute. Yeah. Splintering off from what you just said. <laughs> oh, my finger got a splinter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with with Ryan Johnson, too, t- 
taking creative leaps and bounds with the music. Mm. Like, for example, I mean, you had John Williams create the masterpieces for yeah. these films, and then you know he let him do what he does best. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a multitude of, of, of issues they really have to iron out with the Star Wars series. I mean, it's not just limited to Kathleen Kennedy, mm-hmm. but I mean, maybe she's she was telling him to do that and this the other. Who knows? But um, they they do have some some ironing out, yeah, for sure. With some spray and starch and you know iron out and wrinkle mm-hmm. here and there and mm-hmm. just make that yeah okay. Let it, let it sit there for a minute, steam. I think it's also important to note that we have nothing against Kathleen Kennedy as a person. I think that she's, from, again, from what I've seen, I mean, she looks like, like a lovely lady and everything else. But I think that when it comes to Star Wars, Star Wars is such... It's, it's on a level un, unto itself. And I think that it's very difficult to be able to take the reins of something like that and be able to steer the ship in such a way that can continue the mythos of star Wars. And there are people who Disney has approached to, Hey, would you like to run? They're like, no, like with no hesitation. They're just like, Nope, I'm not going to take that because again, it is such a, a, it's, it's a pop culture icon really is what it is. And how do you, how do you move forward with that? How can you make something that, will continue to celebrate the world of star Wars and, and just do it in a way that does it justice. It's just a very difficult thing. Indeed. I don't know. That wraps up this episode of joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and pledge a buck a month for exclusive access to the show. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn radio, Stitcher, Spotify when it's working and soundcloud.com slash joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. This last Wednesday, we actually had a nice little grouping of you come in and take a look at us as we were sailing the high seas and Sea of Thieves. We'll see you next week. Later. Later.